I love this time in the church, and usually I meet new people in this time, and sometimes I invite myself to go for lunch with them. Uh, most of the time it doesn't work, though. I keep trying. Friends, we have a blessing this morning to have with us Pastor Tim Yi. Pastor Tim Yi used to be on the staff of Bel Air many years ago until God called him to suffer for Jesus Christ in Orange County in Newport Beach to serve in the church there where he was minister for, for several years. And some time ago, Pastor Tim and his wife Katie and their beautiful daughter Avery moved back to Los Angeles. Not to Bel Air at this time, but to serve Christ in downtown LA, hoping, helping the Union Church in downtown and in a partnership with Bel Air to start a new church that we call The Bridge. I have known Tim for years. He's a man of God, his sense of integrity, his sense of vulnerability as he preaches and teaches and lives out the Christian life with us has been a blessing to me. Kim is planting this church that is multi-ethnic, multicultural, diverse in terms of ages and stages in life, and he has been a blessing for the city. He is not only working and planting a church, but he's so connected with the reality in downtown, meeting with business people, politicians, and also serving their, his neighbors, the homeless population in downtown. He is part of the Board of Trustees of the Union Rescue Mission. Uh, Andy Bales is here with us, and he's going to be speaking after the service today. And a member of our congregation, David Down, elder of this church, has been the chairman of the Board of Union Rescue Mission, where Tim has served for a number of years. Tim is a man of God. He is my friend. And we are at Bel Air, Tim, so honored and privileged to work with you in the partnership of the gospel. You have been an inspiration to me personally, a mentor for me, and a blessing for this congregation. Would you please welcome Tim as I pray for him? Woohoo! Love you, brother. Let us pray for Tim. Lord, we thank you for your servant. And as he stands before us and before you above all, this time, we ask that you use the reflection of his heart as a blessing to us, use him as you have used him for so many years, Lord, to be an inspiration for us this morning, to heal those who are struggling, and to challenge those who are too comfortable in our lives. Thank you for your servant and his friendship and fellowship with Bel Air Presbyterian. Your blessing upon him and I ask, and Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. It is good to come home to Bel Air Presser. We are in partnership with you all. Thank you for your support and for our church and ministry in downtown LA. We hope you would come and visit us, bless us with your presence, and, and see what we're doing with the children's ministries. We're growing that and working with our friends who are experiencing homelessness and every other walk of life. Um, I was here um, from 88 to 2002. That's how long I was here from, and then disappeared for 10 years, suffering for the Lord in Newport Beach, as Enoch said, and then excited to be back in L.A. with you all. Uh, I would love for you to find Psalm 139 in your Bibles, and we're going to read verse 13 and then verses 23 through 24. When you find that, would you stand for the reading of God's Word, Psalm 139, starting in verse 13. At the end, I'll say, this is the Word of the Lord, and then you get to say, thanks be to God. Psalm 139, verse 13. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And then verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Keep your Bibles open. You can take a seat. 
and let's dig right in. Now, my church in downtown LA is a wonderfully diverse community of people seeking to do two things, to love God and to bless the city. And so we're learning to find our delight in God alone because we'll always need just a little bit more if you find your delight in anything else. If you find your delight in your reputation, you could lose that. You find your delight in money, you could lose it. You find your delight in your beauty. Sorry, I hate to break it to you, you're gonna lose it. But if you find your delight in God, you have unlosable love. And every human being on the planet longs for that. See, in God, we'll find that He is enough. And so as a community, we are committed to believing that we are here in L.A. not by accident. That God has placed us here in this great city for a purpose. Not to bless ourselves, but to bless others and to bless the city in which we live. And so in Psalm 139, we'll take a look. and We'll find that those who delight in God get unstuck from self-centered and destructive paths that limit our delight in God and limit the way that He wants to use us in this great city of L.A. But we must dare to pray the prayer of Psalm 139. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Take a look at verses 1 and 2. Uh, we'll see that David begins the psalm, and he'll end in a similar way. David says this, he says, Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. Uh, this David's prayer reminds me of my wife has an iPhone. Uh, my wife, Katie, we've been married uh, going on 13 years. We were married at the, we met at this church. We fell in love on a mission trip. We uh, got, got married here as well. And so special memories. And she, uh, I like to check up how she's doing. And I just want to check up as a good husband would do. So I know the password to her iPhone. And so any of you know the C, I type in her password, and I can see exactly where she is. Oh, shopping again, what a shocker. And so my wife said to me, it's like, you know, she loves me and everything, but she's like, that's kind of creepy, okay? It's kind of creepy, even if, it, you know, you're my husband, it is still kind of creepy. And David is saying in verse 1 and 2, he's saying these words, not because he thinks God is creepy, because he knows there's a God who loves him, he, out of wonder of who God is, that God is looking at him and sees him. See, God doesn't need to spy on you. He's not insecure, wondering if you still love him. He's looking at you because he loves you. He wants to see you. But you need to know that God has his loving eye on you. This is what David's praying. You've searched me, God. You've known me. Take a look at verse 13. It digs even a little deeper. David says, For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. These words struck my heart even more the other day. We rushed to the ER. My wife is 14 weeks pregnant. She was bleeding, cramping. We thought we were losing the baby. And I cannot tell you what relief you see on that ultrasound when you see that heartbeat, right? You see the little legs and arms moving and everything was fine. See, God is in control. God made you, knit you together. And it's not like he looked at you back then and now he doesn't look at you anymore, right? He always has his eyes on you because he loves you. You ask any new mother how precious their little ones are to them. And my wife, you know, we're 14 weeks pregnant. We cannot wait to meet this little one. We cannot wait to meet what this little one will look like. And maybe this baby will be as cute as dad. You know, wouldn't that be awesome? See, new parents, we, we marvel at these little creations that God has knit together. And it's hard to imagine, isn't it, that God sees you like that. 
except multiply it by a million times. Do the math. I was a math major at UCLA. Do the math. A million times over, God looks at you now the way that we marvel as a new parent over our children. Even with our wounds and our scars. Oh, God looks upon you right now with love. He's been waiting for you. He's been expecting you. What would God do today to convince you of his loving gaze upon you today? David knew it. He's expressing this in Psalm 139. See, David in this psalm is talking about a a God who would one day come in Jesus Christ to redeem our scars. He's not repelled by your scars. He came because of your scars. Isn't that good news? He came knowing exactly what you needed. And he's here today looking at you. Christ took a cross to prove to each one of us that he loves us with an everlasting love. And in fact, he formed you. He formed the universe, and he calls you his delight. You don't have to turn there. Psalm 18, 19, the psalmist boldly proclaims, God delights in you. You don't have to believe Pastor Tim. Believe the Bible. God delights in you with all your wounds, all your scars, all your imperfections. And the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 2, 10 says something similar in that sense. He says, you are God's workmanship. In the Greek, you are God's poema. You are God's work of art. You weren't some accident. You were crafted, knit together, made for a purpose and a delight in God's eyes. When God looks at you, he delights in you. You're his work of art in you that you might see your beauty if you'd realize this. Not so you get all prideful, but so you could be free to serve God and get unstuck from these other things that hold us back. When he looks at you, he delights in you. In you. Have you ever marveled at the idea that amongst the, the billions of people on planet Earth, half of whom are Asian, by the way, he chooses to see you. He knows your name. He loves you. He chooses to see you amidst the vastness of our galaxy. I don't know if you, you know this. I read that our planet is on the outer edge of our Milky Way galaxy, and it would take, they, they estimate, 100,000 years to travel from one end of our Milky Way to the other end, if you were going at the speed of light, which my Prius doesn't quite do, so it take a little bit longer in the Prius. But did you know that our sun is only one among 200 billion, with a B, stars in our galaxy? And our galaxy is really just a little galaxy of one of more than 100 billion other Milky Ways. Are you starting to comprehend the vastness of God's creation? Uh, how many of you have ever seen the Men in Black movie? You know, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, right? Aliens and stuff. I love the ending of that movie. I don't know if you remember it. At the ending of the movie, it zooms out from planet Earth and above planet Earth, and planet Earth becomes like a little ball, and it goes out to our entire solar system. You see the sun, all the other planets, and then suddenly it zooms out so far that our, Milky, uh, that our solar system becomes like a little tiny dot, and the Milky Way becomes like the size of a marble that you see these two giant aliens playing with dozens of marbles, And you know what science says? Science says that there are over 100 billion marbles like our Milky Way in the universe. So some night this week, I want you to go in your backyard, look up in the sky and see the stars. And then I want you to remember that you're in L.A., so you need to drive an hour east of the desert and then look up in the sky and see the stars. And comprehend and, and think about how our galaxy had to have 
in particular our solar system, these precise conditions to nurture and sustain life on planet Earth. We had to have a 23-degree axis. We had to have an unusually large moon. Did you know that? And our atmospheric structure had to be just right, plus dozens of other prerequisites. And in the midst of 100 billion galaxies, each holding 200 billion suns and hundreds of billions of other planets, God is thinking of you, Psalm 139 says. Scripture says that Jesus not only had to come to save you from your sins, he wanted to come. He wanted to come near to you. You're on his mind. The psalmist says that God delights in you. You see, our church is just two blocks from Skid Row where I serve on the board of Union Rescue Mission, and the mission sponsored a little while ago an exhibit called Sacred Streets that we brought here to you at Bel Air today. It, it was a temporary outdoor installation that featured portraits of the homeless as drawn by the artist Jason Leith, who is also here today, and he brought the entire collection just so that we might get a glimpse of what God is doing, not only in Skid Row, but in each one of your lives, the beauty that is there. Uh, Jason drew the portraits on reclaimed objects that were meant to tell a story parallel to the people depicted. You'll see some pictures up there. Uh, stories of being found again and renewed. And so his vision was to reveal the beauty and dignity in Skid Row through art, using whatever materials he found with his subjects, whether it be concrete or cardboard or a chair. And so Robert was one of Jason's subjects who willingly sat for his portrait. The first thing Robert told Jason was about the horrors of crack cocaine. And he lifted up his shirt, and it revealed the scores of these large red lesions that just riddled his bodies because of his decades of drug use. And Robert asked Jason to make sure to include these scars in his portrait. So Jason told Robert, he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to poke holes in the paper to depict your scars. When the portrait was done, Robert took a look at it, and he again re-warned Jason, make sure people know the dangers of crack. A week later, Robert called Jason from a rehab center, the first time in decades that he had been clean for 48 hours. See, Robert was discovering that God loved him even with all of his scars. Robert was discovering that if he trusted in the one who created him in love, that he would find a God who delighted in him and would take every scar and reclaim them to be a story of redemption. That means God can do that with your scars. Stories of redemption. A God who looks at you and delights in you. See, Jason, through his art, was reminding people that God was there to redeem their scars, that Jesus is always looking to reclaim his own, not to destroy people, but to renew them. That's the heart of God. See, the Bible says that you are his delight, and that he made you, and that he wants to come near to your scars and redeem them. And so Jason brought all of his art today for you to go and check out so that you would see the beauty not only in Skid Row, but you would even get a glimpse of the beauty that God has for you. And why did God bring me to L.A.? Obviously not to bless myself. Must, must be to be a blessing in the city in which I live. Look at, with me at verse 23, what David says here. He closes the psalm the way he begins the psalm. He prays this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. And then what we see that David says here, he prays for God to search him. 
asking God to continually to search his heart. So I want to ask you, will you dare to pray? This is a dangerous prayer. Search my heart, scan me, check me out, God. Now, if you take a look at verse 24, David continues, see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Uh, Psalm 139, written in the Hebrew, and so verse 24, what David is asking God for is to search me for wicked ways, or another way, literally, for ways of pain, for habits and patterns and relationships and things I do that are hurting me and hurting others. Search me for these ways of pain. Uh, We settle for many paths that lead us to different kinds of painful lives, many of us every human being, trying to seek affirmation through things that aren't of God, think, trying to find our ultimate affirmation through what we do or what we have or what people say about us. It plagues us every day. And God is saying, look at me and look at my eyes and see my love for you. Find your identity in me and be free. But we're stuck in ways of pain. So if God searched you this week, what would he find? What would he find that's holding you back? from you giving your whole life and whole heart to him. A book Katie and I uh, have been reading is called How We Love by a man named Mylon Yurkovich. He's spoke, spoken here at Bel Air before. And in it, he challenges you to look at ways of pain that you're stuck in. Let me give you an example. Some of you have been so hurt in the past or disappointed by someone that you just choose to be apathetic or just choose to kind of expect nothing to save yourself from the chance of being hurt again. You know what I'm talking about? Because it's better to not hope at all than to hope and be disappointed, you think. So you cut your heart off and uh, you become numb or you find ways to numb yourself. This is a way of pain, right? It's a path of pain that will cut you off from the love of God. It cut you off from receiving love from other people. You'll be very safe and the loneliest person on the planet when you do that. Maybe that would be something that God reveals to you as you pray this daring prayer. God, search me for ways of pain. See, identifying the ways of pain is like finding the ruts that you're stuck in. And so let me ask you maybe this. Do you find yourself stuck in a rut like this? You have a voice, a tape, or MP3 playing in your head, maybe from when you were 5 or 7 or 17 or 42, that plays in your head that says you're never going to change. You're never going to get over that. You deserve to hold that grudge against that person. These are ways of pain. Search me, God. It's a dangerous prayer, isn't it? Search me for the things I don't want to face. Search me, O God. Do you find yourself stuck that way? See, David wants God to have control of his entire life because David knows his own inclination is towards being stuck in bitterness, stuck in fear, stuck in misguided pleasure. How about you? David knows this about himself, so he prays, search me, God. Search for ways that I am stuck. You see, Jesus came to reclaim you and to free you from your self-centered ruts, these ruts that ultimately destroy you. Think you're playing it safe. You think that you're getting ahead, but they're really destroying you. And God came because he delights in you, and he wants to give you a joy that cannot be taken away. Friends, God wants to give you unlosable love. Everything else you find your delight in, your reputation or money or your status, whatever it would be, you can lose all these things, but not God's love, not his gaze. You can't lose it. Will you dare to pray with me this week? Search me for ways that I am stuck. 
the first challenge. See, out of the billions of people, God has his eyes on you amidst uh, the hundreds of billions of planets. God chose to fix his attention on little planet Earth and put his eyes on you. And he's looking at you right now and he says, I've been waiting for you. Will you pray that daring prayer? Search me, God, for ways of pain that I'm stuck in. It doesn't matter whether you're on Skid Row or in Bel Air. He's zooming in on you. He came to redeem your scars. You don't have to be stuck anymore. See, David not only prayed to be searched, he prayed to be stretched. Look at verse 24 again. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is movement. He's praying that God would take him somewhere. He's praying that God would not only search him, but then lead him and stretch him into new ways of living that aren't stuck in the ways of pain. So God doesn't want you stuck thinking, for example, that, well, I can't serve him because look at my past, or I'm not experienced enough, I'm not holy like Pastor Enoch, and I have a cool accent like him, you know, whatever it would be, right? What's limiting you from believing that God wants to stretch you into a ministry? What's your ministry? Some of you say, I don't have a ministry. Well, you should. Whether inside the walls of the church or outside the walls of the church, in your work, in your neighborhood, with your art, would you pray that God search me and stretch me? Help me to find a ministry, a way that you have called me to L.A. Not to just bless myself or do my work or build my education, my resume, but to be a blessing to the city. Search me and stretch me, God. So if you dare to pray this prayer, God will search you and he'll stretch you. And so the question is, how is God leading and stretching you to take on a new ministry? Our artist, Jason Leaf, who I hope you'll meet today, he was stretched. He, he could have been using his art to build his own ego, build up his own reputation, but he's doing it that people might know their inherent dignity and beauty in the eyes of God, even in Skid Row. Jason chose to be stretched. Maybe God is stretching you in a different way. Maybe God is stretching you to start tithing. And some of you are saying, well, Pastor Tim, I can't tithe. I'm stuck in credit card debt. Well, then you are tithing to the credit card companies at about 24% every month. I got a great deal for you. Get out of credit card debt, and we'll do it for 10% right here, okay? <laughs> so maybe God's stretching you. I'm serious to get out of credit card debt. About half of you are probably in credit card debt, if I just look at the stats. Can you imagine the amount of money we can send on missions around the world and locally if we would all just get out of credit card debt? Can you imagine? Unbelievable. How is God stretching you? Maybe you can't tithe because of that. Maybe you came today and you're not a follower of Jesus yet, and God is stretching you to pray this daring prayer. Search me, God. Stretch me. What are my barriers for following you, Jesus? Some of you, you don't follow Jesus yet because you had a bad experience somewhere else. Well, we at the Friends here at Bel Air, wherever you go, we want to help you walk through that. Search me and stretch me. Katie and I, we were stretched. We were comfortably serving the Lord in Newport Beach, and then we got a call from Enoch. And he says, God's calling you to downtown L.A. And we knew we weren't because I was praying to God that he'd call me to Hawaii, not downtown L.A. And so I knew he was wrong. God stretched us. Maybe God's stretching you to risk learning more about with Andy Bales and April Steele after this service about foster kids and about the 52,000 kids in the foster system who are looking for a family like yours because no one else wants them. Maybe God is stretching you to just learn about it today. 
Or maybe God is stretching you to come visit the Union Rescue Mission with me and, and Andy downtown. Come, join us. Come to church. We'll walk over to the mission and we'll have a great time. Or maybe God is stretching you to say no, listen to this, to some unhealthy habits that you know you're stuck in. Or maybe some toxic relationships that you know you need to say no to, but you can't. Maybe that's where God is stretching you. Or maybe you're a student at your school, you know there's some kids who are, are bullied. Or maybe there's some kids who are ignored. Sometimes that's worse. And you as a student, you know, because you know God sees that person, that you're going to see them too at school and let them know just by your presence. Let them know that God loves them, that God delights in them, that God made them and formed them. Maybe that's how God will stretch you this week. I have no idea how you will dare to pray this prayer. But if you would dare to have the courage to pray for God to search you and stretch you this week, we actually want to give you a gift. We have a bracelet for you. And it says, search me and stretch me. And we're looking for hundreds of you to join a few hundred people from the first service to pray this daring prayer this week. God, I know you didn't bring me to L.A. by accident. It's not just to build up my own resume, to bless myself. Use me, search me, and stretch me, and show me where you want me to go, what you want me to do. You grab me these wristbands at the connection booth or at, as you see the art exhibit, and dare to pray this with us, the daring prayer. So let me ask you again, where is God stretching you? Is he stretching you to take a step of faith towards him? Maybe you've been a, a believer, a Christian for many years, but you've never taken your faith seriously. Maybe today's the day. God, search me and stretch me. I recommit my life to you, my relationships, my money, my attitude, my bitterness. I hand it over to you, Lord. See, the gospel says that God says your sins are not only forgiven but forgotten. And your worst scars, when you hand them over to God, can be become the very places of new life and redemption. That's what Robert did. That's what some of you knew some of your stories have been doing. Heading over your life, even with your wounds and scars, and seeing God redeem it. And you might say, well, Pastor Tim, you don't know my past. I don't know your past, but God does, and he can redeem your past and your scars. You might say, well, Pastor Tim, you don't know my insecurities. Well, I don't, but God does, and he can redeem your insecurities. But Pastor Tim, you don't know where I went to school. I went to USC. Well, God can even redeem, my, my wife went to USC. God can redeem anything. The bad, the good. You know what he needs to redeem, actually? All your good things. Because our good things, our family, our success, our looks, we hold onto those very tightly. And we start idolizing the gifts of God and stop worshiping the giver of the gifts. I'm going to talk about stretching you. Hand over all the good things in your life, your education, your family, your success, your art, your dreams. Hand those over to God. Search me and stretch me. See, this is David's heart crying out with joy because David knows that someone knows him better than he knows himself. So David delights in the fact that God chooses to see him to really see him for all he is. And don't we all want to be seen? Don't we all want to be valued? Don't we all want to be known? Our worst nightmare isn't to be hated, it's to be ignored. But God says, I see you. My four-year-old daughter, Avery, sometimes after we goof around, I'll just stop and I'll look at her and I'll say, hi. And she'll stop whatever she's doing from goofing around. She'll look at me and say, hi. 
And it's our little way just to say to each other that I see you. I see you, Avery. I see you, Papa. And God wants you to know that he not only loves you, he sees you. He not only had to come to save you from your sins, he wanted to come because he delights in you. And so we want you to take a wristband and to dare to pray this prayer this week. Search me, God, and stretch me. The one who delights in you that you might find your greatest delight in giving over everything to serve him in this great city. That you would see this one who sees you for all that you are, the one who delights in you, the one who knit you together in your mother's womb, the one who placed you in L.A., the one who brought you here, not by accident. And so would you please join me as we close in a prayer. God, we're here today, and our prayer is with David to search our hearts, O God. Help us to know that when you see us, you love us. Help us to know that when you search us, God, that you will show us places that we are stuck, the ways of pain that are holding us back from giving our whole lives over to you. Thank you, Lord, that you took the cross with great joy in your heart because you thought about us being separated from you for eternity, and the cross and its suffering became a joy because you wanted to be with us. Thank you for securing our life in you, eternal life beginning right now. And the reality is that the best is yet to come. Lord, forgive us for believing that our ways of pain will solve our problems and help us to dare to pray this prayer to search me and to stretch me. Stretch me to take a step closer to you by relinquishing control of my relationships, of my ministry, of my money, my dreams, even the good things in my life that sometimes have become the things I idolize. I relinquish control, Lord, over to you. I give all these over to you and say that you have placed me here in L.A. not to bless myself, to be a blessing in the city, and to honor you. So, Lord, search me and stretch me. Thank you for your unlosable love. That is my energy, my power, my vision, Lord. Thank you, Jesus Christ, and it's in your name we pray.